Welcome to Scaling with Soul, formerly The Fifth Palette Almost Killed Me, a show that gives you a behind-the-scenes look at starting and growing a consumer products goods business. I'm your host, Heather K. Terry. I'm a New York City area-based consultant, and I've advised and had key roles in not only my own brands, but with dozens of others as well. My main objective is to help you avoid the many mistakes I've made or have been witness to in my 11 plus years as an entrepreneur. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for the love and support so many of you have offered up for the new name and format of this program. From the direct messages to the comments on social media to the reviews on iTunes, we are all really appreciating the love. And I say all because it takes more than just me to make this podcast happen. So um, from my entire team, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Today's episode is a really, this one's a good one for me. I, I, I sometimes forget this one. And um, it's really all about your mindset and what you're bringing to the table with your state of mind each and every step of the way. Let's face it. We all think we're in this entrepreneur thing alone. Whether you have a CPG product, you're an influencer, a consultant making your own way, or some major part of a larger organization where you have the entrepreneurial spirit, you know, we think we've got to get it done alone and that we shouldn't complain because aren't we lucky? We get to do all this great work. And that's all true to a certain point. See, things like social media and pictures of beautiful entrepreneur and women empowerment events will have you wondering if you are the only one having a bad day or hitting a slump or downright failing. The truth, the real truth, is that even for those of us who make it look like everything is going great, we've had the bad day, the tough colleague or client, the slump, and the failures. Yeah the failures. And some of them are pretty big. The truth is we've probably had all of them. And for those that deny that they've experienced any of this, I call your bullshit. (laughs) We are all human. No one is perfect. Not everything works out. But as I just said a moment ago, it really all comes down to your mindset. What are you willing to do and dealing Uh, with yourself rather than putting it all on others. So what are you willing to do? What are you willing to do to not put it on others? Recently, this is really interesting. So just recently, I was having dinner with a friend who has a job in finance, a secure job in finance, and she likes it a lot, mainly because it's so secure and steady. Over the course of this dinner and exchanging stories about our families and our work, She stopped and looked at me very seriously and said, Heather, I love your stories. Everything you do is so exciting. It sounds like such fun, but I would never, ever in a million years want to do what you do. For a second, it sounded like one of those backhanded compliments. (laughs) I told her she could if she had to, but she was resolved. No way, no how, no chance, no interest. It got me thinking about that Theodore Roosevelt quote about getting into the ring. And I think it 
I think it's nice to take a second here to just kind of read it. And so I'm going to read it for you if you've not heard the whole thing. Brene Brown's book, Daring Greatly, uh, talked a little bit about this quote, but I want to read the entire thing. So this is a Theodore Roosevelt quote, and it goes like this. It is not the critic who counts, not the man or woman who points out how the strong man or woman stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man or woman who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actively strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself or herself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of highest achievement, and who at the worst, if he or she fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his or her place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Why do some of us get in the ring and so many others of us don't? Also, so many times I've had a setback and failure, and I've projected that judgment, the judgment of that onto others, meaning I have moments of what I call failure fear, <laughs> the fear of fa- you know, the fear of failure, but I just call it failure fear. I'm like, Failure, fear, that's that's what I'm projecting. And in these moments of the said failure, fear, I often hear myself saying things like, what will people say about me? People will talk, et cetera, et cetera. It goes on and on. Here I was sitting with someone who, despite my own perceived failures, she thought I was superwoman. Maybe this is really an episode about bullshit. <laughs> So let's get real, real, shall we? As I like to say, the only person I am worried about failing for is myself. I'm worried that I will have put out this gigantic intention and then I'll fail. And by the way, I'm probably not done with failure. It is our lifelong teacher, but we can save that topic for another day. But I'll fail and then I'll have to face myself. Oh, damn. Who the hell wants to do that? I have had success and I have had failure. And I have had to look at myself in the mirror amidst both success and failure and make a decision on what to do next. These moments are amongst some of the most pivotal for entrepreneurs. It's the make it or break it, the quit or continue the celebrate or go harder moments. We all have life stories, our own stories that help us to put a lens on every situation in our lives. So part of the way you move through the world will be because of that story, right? It's inevitable. But another part will be about how well you've trained your own mindset, your own psychology, as well as who and what you surround yourself with, your tribe. I've talked about this before in season one, really connecting with that tribe, tribe really surrounding yourself with the people who can help you get through this. You know, I can't help you with what has happened in your life. 
There are way more qualified people out there to do that, (laughs) break down the issues of your past and all of that. However, with that said, I have been an entrepreneur, an advisor, a mentor, an investor for a long time. And I have picked myself up more times than I can count. I have rested when the reward has come. And I've said to myself, yes, that's enough. I can stop here. Or great, we won. Let's keep going. Let's make it bigger. What made me keep going after the first failure? What kept me going on this wild ride? As many of you know, and I've briefly touched on this topic in the past, I used to be an actor or actress, depends on which generation you're talking to. (laughs) I remember the first time I lost a part that really meant something to me, the first big one. I was an undergrad at Valparaiso University in Indiana. I had been granted a scholarship in music as a vocalist. I had been the star in my high school, both the choir, musicals, everything. There was not one part in high school that I didn't get and not one place I didn't shine. Variety shows, the whole nine yards, show choir, whatever it was, I was in it. I was the star. I worked my ass off for that. Music and theater were my whole life. But I felt because I had the drive and the persistence that nothing could or would stop me. Kind of sounds very entrepreneurial, doesn't it? (laughs) Without giving too much away, let's continue. So freshman orientation is a time that most of us probably remember from college. There are a whole series of orientation events and happenings, and there were auditions for something called the Corral. It was, and arguably still is, one of the best choral groups in the Midwest with leaders in education who have dedicated their whole lives to it. It was phenomenal. When I heard about that choir and the pieces that they sang, I wanted in and I prepared. That audition was one of my best. I remember walking out of that thing thinking, yeah, I got this. They will probably offer me a solo in my first year. (laughs) We all know how this is going to end, right? I didn't get in. The list went up a few days later and I was in what was perceived as the second tier group. I was embarrassed and ashamed, not to mention a whole lot of my time magically freed up because the time commitment for this group was huge. The time commitment for the second tier group, because it was a second tier group, was not as much. So I called my mom, but my dad answered the phone. Now, something a little personal about myself. My father died when I was in my early 20s of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He was very sick throughout most of my childhood, and he was a difficult man. And he always held me to the highest standards. I asked for my mother. So of course I asked for my mother, right? And he said she was out and could he help me with something? Well, this was a big failure for me. My father was the last person I ever got super emotional with, but I burst into tears. I had had that first big slap of failure in a place where everyone was rooting for me to succeed. After calming me down like any good father would, he reminded me of a few things. Number one, I wasn't failing anyone rooting for me. None of them knew what the hell, which choir was what. And as long as I was still following my heart and I was doing it, I was going, I was doing what I was supposed to do and going to college. Number two, he asked a question. So what are you going to do with all that time? (laughs) Which was pretty much the question I expected him to ask since he was one of those people. But what was I going to do with all that time that had suddenly freed up? And I didn't know. And I was standing in the hallway of the arts building 
And I looked along the wall where there was a poster. It was for a play with no music, so just regular theater. And I had done one or two of those in high school. I took a deep breath and I said, I'm going to try out for this play, Dad. He said, sounds like fun. Go get them, but make sure you pay attention in class. And that was that. This is a lesson in the fire of your soul as much as it is about anything else. I did audition for that play. I remember reading that poster and it said, have a monologue ready. I had no idea what a monologue was. Not in my vernacular. Have you been there? This is a side note. Like, have you been there? You know, jargon, acronyms, and emails and conversations where people are saying things that you don't understand? Well, this was the first frontier for me. I get lots of questions from people asking me if I miss acting and how those skills relate to being an entrepreneur. This is a clear example. By the way, that's just kind of life, but we just put a lot of undue pressure on ourselves to know everything, be everything, do everything, I think especially as women as well. So I couldn't Google because Google didn't exist back then. I think I'm dating myself a little bit. Um, But I figured out what a monologue was. I went to the library and I looked it up in the dictionary. And um, I got it together and I went in with no real idea if I was doing it right at all. I got one of the lead roles in that play, and that play went on to win collegiate awards. I also made some of my best college friends doing that play. And then I went on to do other plays and sometimes not get the part I wanted in both college and graduate school. And then I went to New York to be an actor and lived in a one tiny, tiny one-bedroom apartment with lots of roommates and did that whole thing. And I won some parts, but I lost a lot more than I won. And I was always ready to pick myself back up. I did not realize it at the time, but a few things were happening here. First, I learned to pivot. I learned that sometimes when one thing doesn't work out, it isn't supposed to. That goes for all things in life, including business. Sometimes your first business works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes your second one works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it takes a few times to get it right. Second, I started to understand divine intervention and that when you open yourself to divine intervention, you will be guided by something greater than yourself, whatever that is for you. Now, I don't want to get too woo-woo here, but it could be God. It could be a higher power. It could be spirituality. But when you allow that room and you stop trying to control everything, great things happen. Third, and I think I learned it that day, but also it took a long time to learn and relearn this one. No one else really cares about my path. And the only standards I need to meet are my own. Now that last one sounds a little rough, but think about it. I sometimes get invited to events for my husband's work, for instance. I think probably a lot of us do our spouse's work. Uh, When people are sitting around making reference to other people's success or failures, honestly, it doesn't really mean anything to me, right? Like unless it applies directly to me through my husband, I don't really, it doesn't really make any difference in my life. Or I have a friend back home in Chicago who's won a bunch of Emmys for sports reporting. And I am super proud of him. That sounds really cool, but if he had never won an Emmy, like I didn't even really know there were Emmys for sports, and then he started winning them, and I was like, oh, that's so great. But I I would have thought he was great at his job even before that. It wouldn't really make any difference to our friendship, right? Because he loves his work, and he's enthusiastic and happy, and so I'm enthusiastic and happy for him. 
And there's probably no better place to make this point than in the field of acting. I have many friends from my acting days making careers as full-time working actors, and yet none of them is known to you as a household name. Does that make them a failure? Does that take away from the work they've done and will do? Do you see my point? We all have an idea of what success is in our own respective fields. But at the end of the day, it's not the judgment of others. We're actually using our own set of standards against ourselves. So let's stop that bullshit right now. Let's cut loose, still work hard and know our stuff and put it all out there, but maybe we can enjoy ourselves a lot more every single day. Maybe instead of working toward some title or award, we can work in the service of others. Trust me, the titles and awards will come after. And who knows, if you really make a point of going all in for others, your customer, for instance, and making them the the hero, you might not care about all of those lofty titles, awards, etc. Talk about freedom. Remember, Scaling with Soul comes out on Tuesdays. For more startup business insights, sign up for my newsletter at heatherkterry.com or buy my book, From Broadway to Wall Street, Cautionary Tales of an Unlikely Entrepreneur, available on Amazon. If you have an idea or question for the podcast, go over to anchor.fm or download the Anchor app where this podcast is hosted or direct message me on Instagram at heatherkterry. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on iTunes, please. If you'd like to work with me directly, go over to the website and click on the offerings tab. You can connect with us there and set up a contract. Scaling with Soul is executive produced by Lauren Appelt and all visual elements are created by Radhika Maheshwi, Casey Alvarez, and the Alvarez Branding Company. Now, get out there and do something to move your business forward. Till next time.